welcome to the Pit Imps Podcast, episode number 104. Uh, I am your host, Angelo, and I am back this week with my trusty co-host who's going to fucking carry this show. <laughs> well, oh, what's up uh, tonight, guys? And uh, you don't sound too hot. Dude, I've had the flu literally since, like, the day after we recorded last week, and I'm getting over it now, but... Like, it's weird. I'm going through those last throws where, like, everything's trying to come out, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty awful. I dealt with, with the, the winter sickness a couple weeks ago myself, and it's just, it's no fun. Every time you get sick, it gets worse. I swear. Yeah, it's weird. Like, we were talking a little bit before the show. When I was a kid, I'd catch the flu, and it was, I got to drink orange juice all day and watch cartoons, and yeah. I might have had, and I No school, you know. That's yeah. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was like, yeah, I'm sick. Dude, this is the first time I've caught the flu in my adult life, and I can legitimately say that. And, man, is it fucking different. Because, like, I, I mean, walking to the bathroom from my couch, which is all of about 15 steps for anybody who, <laughs> who doesn't know. Dude, I had to hold on to shit just to get there. Like, it was bad, man. A couple of times I stood up and fell down just from being so fucking dizzy. It was weird. Yeah, um, that's no good, man. Yeah, like all I did it seemed like all week was type on my phone. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> anyway, smartphones. Um, this week we're gonna go over SCG, which we normally don't, and the reason we're doing this is mainly because there's a new uh, standard and new gonna, standard format. Yeah, yeah, and we're gonna touch on the modern a little bit just because of the BNR announcement. Um. But I think this is a good place to start with the new standard. Uh, we saw a couple of new decks jump up to the forefront. Uh, the top eight broke down as such. Uh, G-Fabs versus uh, Michael Wolowski. Yeah. Um, G-Fabs wins 2-0. Hunter Michael Nance. Wolowski. Okay. <laughs> Hunter Nance, uh, 2-1 over Dan Musser. Ali Antrazi loses to Logan Mize, 2-1. And Andrew Boswell loses to Danny Goldstein, 2-0. Danny Goldstein takes down Mize, 2-1. G-Fabs beats Hunter Nance, 2-1. And Gerard Fabiano takes the whole fucking thing down, 2-1. Yeah, Gerard Fabiano, man, he uh, he laid it out there, had himself a pretty spicy salt-high control list, you know, playing the bug and... Had, uh, some cards that maybe weren't on everyone's, everyone's radar, but, uh, really powerful stuff, really cool sideboard, and, you know, was able to take it down for sure. Okay, so, he was on Salt High Control, Will, uh, what do you think? <laughs> well, so he's, he's, uh, has a little bit different list, uh, just has four creatures, four Seder Wayfinders, just wants to self-mill a little bit, uh, to, uh, to get that going, mostly so he can delve cards. Uh, planeswalkers are as, as win conditions of choice in the, and the main deck. He has two Ashioks, uh, one Garuk, Garuk Apex Predator, which I think is just a really good card right now. Uh, two Cure, the cat crashing wave to buy turns and set things up, and then two Ugins to finish it off. Uh, well, Cure can do a decent job of finishing it off herself, um, it's oh, for fun. sure, but, I mean, U- Ugin uh, on the weekend, as I watched him cast, yeah. just ended the game. Like, the ability to, like, repeatedly minus X and plus two, you're, you just cannot you get out of the game. Uh, Ugin comes down. If if you get enough mana, you win the game. It's pretty much the case. I mean, like, I, theoretically, I guess there are cards to stop Ugin from winning the game, but... I didn't see that happen a whole lot. It's called disdainful stroke. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a good way to start. 
But no, it's good to finally see Kiora finding a home in a deck that I think will stick around for a while. Yeah, there, I mean, there were a couple different other iterations of Salt High as well. Uh, you know, G-Fabs isn't the only guy on it, but I, I did see a lot more Ugans than just Gerards on the weekend. So yes. I do want to point out that Garuk is actually really well positioned against Ugan. Yes. Yes, it comes down a turn earlier. You know, yeah, to minus X to to get uh, rid of Garuk is going to totally kill your Ugin, just a one-for-one. One. You know, I mean, wh- whatever else dies with it as well. So, you know, he forces an answer, and then if he comes down later, then he just plus ones to kill Ugin. Like, that's that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, kind of weird. Um, so, a couple planeswalkers we really haven't seen see the light of day, although we knew the power was there. Like, Kiora, I mean, that's an early way to lock down a game and can potentially take a game over. And Garuk, you know, if you stick one of those, it's almost unanswerable. It's, it's all, yeah, he's on a really similar power level to Ugin. He, you know, can just end the game on his own. Yeah, and then Ugin's just fucking ridiculous, so. I think, I think a, a little bit is just that, you know, the, the cards didn't really exactly have a home. The, the big grindy Saltide decks didn't really have board sweepers, so they were more concerned with, you know, creatures as answers, because creatures are really good in the metagame, and, you know, uh, Fabiano is just all over the Planeswalkers, so. Yeah, I love Planeswalker lists, so he must have been packing some spells. He's got a lot of spells, yeah, more, like half the deck is spells. Uh, four Bile Blight to control the early game, a lot of tokens running around, a lot of, a lot of really problematic cards you want to deal with early, so he just needs four of those, needs it every game, and then he has four Dig Through Time as kind of his card selection choice, uh, you know, just really able to accelerate through his deck, and then uh, gets to really change the numbers of a lot of the other cards. Uh, two disdainful strokes in the main board, really good place for it. It's live in pretty much every matchup except maybe Auras. Um, three heroes downfall, two murderous cuts, two salt high charms, two crux of freight, uh, one interpret the signs to just draw all of the cards. <laughs> two Rakshasa's secret because, uh, yeah, mind brought, I guess it's a constructed playable card, and then two thoughtsies, you know, just to get you the information and to get rid of stuff that is really problematic. And uh, then he has this 15-card sideboard, which is just really, really unique. Uh, he has a, a couple different creature packages that he can bring in with uh, an availability of two Rakshasa Death Dealer, a Palukranos, a Silumgar the Drifting Death, and two Tassigar, the Golden Fag. Now, I watched the top eight, and um, Tassigar did a lot of heavy lifting in the post-boarded matchups. He is a, a serious engine in and of his own right, and you know, he comes down on the on the third turn a lot of the time. Yeah, he was really the uh, the breakout card of the weekend for yeah, the set. Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably correct. Yeah. Uh, so what and else so he got in there? Yeah, a couple other ways to control the game with uh, two Negate, two Farika's Cure. He has a third Saltkai Charm, and then one Drown in Sorrow, and then a third Thoughtseize. Uh, and then finally, he has two Feed the Clan to just give himself that extra little bit of time uh, against the red aggressive decks that also had a, a really big breakout this weekend. Right, right. That's for those who don't remember. That's the you gain five life card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's just one one in a green instant. You gain five life. Like pretty awful card. Uh, but if you're ferocious, you get to gain ten. And I guess he did turn on ferocious with it once or twice on the weekend. He said so. I guess with Tassiger and Palukranos, it's possible. Yeah, you know, and it, there's some post board configurations where that can happen. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was like once Tassiger came out. Uh, in the postboard matchups, you know, Fabiano was just able to keep him on the board. Like, the 4-5 butt and the mana cost really made him reminiscent of, like, just being a Tarmogoyf, except he also has this ability that allows you to draw cards. 
Yeah, it was really weird. It was like you'd watch people just run siege rhinos into it. It was it, it reminded me of the old future site days. Yeah. It's like Tarmogoyf versus Tarmogoyf battles. It's like nobody wins. All these four fives <laughs> everywhere, man. They're huge. Big butts. Yeah. <clears throat> so. so congrats to G-Fabs. Uh, always good to see him up top. Yeah. I'd like to, like to see our friends get, get where they need to go in the victory circle. Right, right. Um, so, so Danny get, Goldstein with Red White Aggro. Yeah. So this was, uh, the, you know, I guess the breakout deck of the weekend, maybe with Saltai being, you know, the one that actually took it down, but Red White Aggro was the most represented deck on day two, I guess. Well, um, yeah. If you count the tokens with it, it absolutely was. Cause there was like a Red White, a deck that they were calling red white aggro and a deck they were calling red white tokens they're basically the same goddamn deck except actually this is the one that they was calling tokens because it has the four raising of arm four hurdling outers yeah whatever they're they're little they're wide you know they're white and red they go wide yeah uh, but uh yeah so there's only 12 creatures in the list which is very token based we got four goblin rabble master which makes tokens then we got uh four of the new kid on the block monastery mentor i guess uh this card's pretty good good enough to make a splash in the first week uh, four of those, uh, to get your token on even wider. You got three Seeker of the Ways because there's only 12 creatures, so you got a ton of room for spells. And then one Soulfire Grandmaster, uh, I guess kind of just hedging on that one. Yeah, kind of odd to see the split go 3-1 there. I, I really expected Soulfire to almost replace the Seekers and the stacks. Could be card availability, could just be in testing. They found out that Seeker's much better in the early phase of the game, and, and where you really want the Soulfire Master is for when the secondary ability, the, the mana activated ability is, is available. Mm-hmm. Could be, I don't know. I'd like to talk to Danny about it. Um, he has uh, 25 spells, two outpost siege, which uh, I thought is kind of interesting. I didn't really. I mean, I guess he has like uh, both a million tokens to uh, turn on the dragon side pretty effectively, and uh, you know just can can play all his spells at a pretty rapid pace. So I guess the cons is good for him as well. Um, two collateral damage to get more use out of those tokens, and everyone loves a lightning bolt, right? Uh, four lightning strike, three magma jet, so there's just a, a good amount of burn, along with the four stoke the flames that is just in every red deck and standard. Yeah, that's, that, the, the list that you just went over, that's the reason I expected to see more soulfire grandmasters and seekers. That's yeah, it seems, it seems very intuitive that it goes well in the, in the deck. You got like 40 points of burn laying around in your, in your 60 cards, so, you know, it's totally reasonable. Uh, we also have, uh, four raise the alarm and four hordling outburst as, you know, creature generation spells. And then, uh, two valorous stance, uh, as kind of a pseudo removal, pseudo protect my goblin rabble master and monastery mentor when I need to. Uh, I guess this card did a lot of work on the weekend. Two mana is a really good number of mana to pay for this pack. Yeah, it's a good so, spot. Yeah, so it's a you know pretty powerful card in all reality. I mean, it's, you play like Rabble Master on three, turn four you have you can leave you know still play like a Seeker of the Way and leave up two mana for your stance. Mm-hmm. You can lightning strike something and still leave two mana up to protect your Rabble Master like. It's pretty good. I like that. Um, it's in a good spot at two mana. It, it seems like it fits right where you'd want it to. Yeah, I, I, you know, I actually originally thought this cost a three, which is you know, still playable, but at two, it's a, it's a pretty enticing card. Yeah, especially the back side of that where it says, you know, kill target Seedra, I know. Yeah, for two mana, it's, it's pretty good. And I guess destroy target Tassiger is a thing as well, well here. I know, like, this deck struggles with Seedra, I because of the trample. So oh, for that's, sure. That's really relevant, yeah. you know, against this deck and, uh, kind of crazy. 
Mm-hmm. This thing could get wide real fast and just like out of nowhere win a game. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's almost a shame there's no kind of mini overrun or pump effect because there's just, there's so many tokens. Yeah, we'll see that a little later, I think. Uh, sideboard, what do we got running around in? Uh, we got, uh, two Hushwing Griff to, uh, stop the, the hate from the, the rhinos. We don't want them doing the, the life drain thing. Got a Storm Breath Dragon, two Erase, two Magma Spray, two Wild Slash, uh, making an appearance. We got two Elspeth Sun's Champion for when the game goes long, two End Hostilities, and two Glare of Heresy, rounding out the sideboard. Pretty well-rounded, just kind of wants to give himself edges in a bunch of different matchups. No, no real focus. Yeah, sweet, sweet. Um, so far, two decks. Seeing a lot of new cards. Um, I was a little down on the set, mainly because I didn't see too many of the Mythics being that good. But a lot yeah. of the uncommons were good, and it's good to see it making a showing. Yeah, I uh, I actually kind of missed on a couple cards as well. I didn't I didn't quite recognize some of the power uh, on some of the cards, and it's good to see them being used this quickly. Yeah, I missed on Tassiker. That one completely. Oh missed. man, I lost it on that. I'm like, what? This guy costs six. He's not. Oh my goodness, you can get him and play on turn three. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so the next list: Hunter Nance with Abzan Agro. Yeah, uh, this is like the two-drop Abzan Aggro that we've been hearing about, but he, he kind of has a couple new toys. Uh, four Fleecemane Lion, four Death Dealers, four Siege Rhinos, because, you know, you just can't leave home without them. Three Wingmate Rocks, three Corsair of Crufix, three Anafenza the Foremost, and then two Tassiger the Golden Fang, because... He uh, works pretty well in your Abzan deck, too. He works pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, one Soren Solemn Visitor uh, as the Planeswalker of choice. And then we have uh, two Abzan Charm, three Bile Blight, four Heroes Downfall, and two Thoughtseize as our removal suite. Okay. Uh, so not the biggest changes here, but we do see the two Tassikers entering into it. That's pretty nice. What do we got in that board? Oh, we have uh, a lot of different cards. We have one Back to Nature, one Bile Blight, one Murderous Cut, one Elspeth, Sun's Champion, one Liliana Vess, one Nissa, World Waker, one Soren Solemn Visitor to really custom tailor. Wait, 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 wait. Is there a, a wish in this deck? No, there's not, there's not a wish engine anywhere. Uh, he just likes the uh, Gabriel Nassif version of uh, sideboarding. Um, so yeah, he has those four different Planeswalkers, then he has four Drown and Sorrows, three Glare of Heresy, and one Totsies. So, so Drown and Sorrow and Glare of Heresy are the best cards in the format, he says. Which, you know, that. makes sense. Yeah, I believe that completely, because Glare takes care of most of the cards in the big decks that you need to worry about. Yeah, like as, a lot of the Abzan decks, they just hate Glare of Heresy. Yeah, such as, you know, Anafenza, Wingmate, Wingmate Rock, Siege Rhino, it just deals with them. And Drown and Sorrow deals with all those little quick decks. Yeah, the red-white tokens deck is not yeah. going to be happy playing through Drown and Sorrows. Yeah, even blue-white does not like it too much, because, you know, you, God's Willing doesn't help. I think it's it's pretty... It's not as good. Pretty tempo oriented there. Like if you're on the play, you maybe want some number of drown and tempo or drown and sorrows. Yeah. But if uh, if you're on the draw, I don't think that's a card you want. No, no, it's 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 literally a on the play on the draw thing. But if yeah. you're on the play, a turn three drown and sorrow can be devastating yeah. to that deck. Absolutely. Um. Okay. So I mean, not too much of a change there. Just a few new cards. But yeah, speaking of the heroic deck, it was in fourth place, piloted by Logan Mize. Ooh. So uh, here we go. We have. Uh, I'm gonna try this one. He, uh, he doesn't have any new cards. He has nothing new. He has zero new cards in uh, the 75. All right. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's blue. It's blue white heroic. Um, it's the go same. Go look list. it up. <laughs> yep. 
Let's see. So we have Saltai Ramp from Ali Antrazi. This was a pretty spicy deck. How, how is this different than it's it's, it's pretty different. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, you want to go over it, Will? Yeah, no problem. Um, so uh, Ali actually does want creatures that you know are relevant and matter. So he has two Hornet Queens, one Pearl Lake Ancient, four Caryatids, four Courser of Crufix, and one Tassiker. Uh, those are going to be a lot of the victories generated through those cards. And then he also has one Garuk Apex Predator and two Ugin the Spirit Dragon. These are pretty good numbers. You notice that both our Salt Hive lists had, uh, had these numbers. Yeah, it really feels like with this deck, and through watching it play as well, if he didn't have Caryatid or Crufix turn two or three, like it was an instant maul. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's definitely a ramp deck. He has large spells and... You know, he, uh, he only has so many ways to accelerate to them. So, but he, I mean, he definitely needs to get to those big spells for sure. Right, right. This does not look like a deck that mulligans very well. So. Well, I mean, it does and it doesn't. Like, you, you don't mulligan well because you, you just need so many, you know, lands to get into play and yeah. those are going to decrease. But like, you have a reasonable amount of card draw and card selection, and uh, once you get your ramp online, or, or or even just if you get any of the powerful spells that cost five and more, and eventually are able to play them, you you have really good you know chances to draw your way out of it. Yeah, the nice thing um, that the deck does have, and it's weird because if you do mull, all of a sudden you don't want to see the caryatid, you want to see the corsair crucifix. Yeah, exactly. Dig exactly. Out. Yeah. Um, Spells. He's rocking a bunch of spells as well. Yeah. Uh, Three Frontier Siege. Uh, really loves the, um, oh, Vineyard Effect. The, uh, two green mana in your main phase. Uh, just power now big shit, man. Jumping from four mana to seven the next turn. Pretty spicy. Uh, we got three dig through time because that's really good for card selection. Three heroes downfall, two salt high charm, uh, three crux of fate. And I think this deck, you know, really depends on and is enabled by the crux of fate. Three thought seas, two treasure crews, and one worst fears. Um, little, little random. I, I, I mean, I don't see a, a mind slaver being too crazy, crazy powerful in this format, but, uh, it's a pretty sweet list. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thought seize is really important in this deck just to clear out the early threats. Right, right, to get rid of the thing that's gonna bulldoze you before your, your shields before come up. Before you can drop your crux of fate to remove yeah, the board like exactly. this. It's a nice deck, it's really good, it's reminiscent of a lot of the older style, uh, Control decks that I'm more used to playing. A little too yeah. many creatures, but I, well, I, guess uh, I mean, a lot of them green. are just mana sources. You know, eight of them, eight of the twelve creatures are legitimately just part of your mana engine, and that's yeah. no, that's fine. And but the like, frontier siege, it, it's it's not worth not overlooking the whole uh, interaction where you know later in the game when he has the mana, he can play it on the uh, dragon side and then follow that up with a hornet queen and just machine gun aboard. Yeah, it is definitely a uh, a two card wrath wrath your board for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, it's a deck that's going to play out pretty consistently. You're going to try and just get your Courser or your Caryatid, get into the mid-game, play a powerful spell to get you ahead, and then finish with Planeswalkers. Yeah, this is interesting. This is something I'm definitely going to keep my eyes on. I, I like, I actually like this build a little better than uh, Gerard's. Um, yeah, Gerard's is a little bit more ambitious and, and is a little bit more involved in the delving strategy and the and the self-milling. Yeah, I mean, I love Planeswalkers, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I used to play Super Friends. I, I, I love stacking my deck with Planeswalkers, but 
the creatures are just so good nowadays. Things like Hornet Queen and Pearl Lake. Creatures are very good. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's insane. And just even to have access to the Tassigers in the main, which I expect that Gerard will be doing some number of those in his main as well. Probably. Um, sideboard, what are we rocking? We got three Bile Blights, because his weren't good enough for the main board. Uh, three Disdainful Strokes. One Asylum Guard, the Drifting Deck. Two Ashiok. Two Kiora. Sorry, one Kiora. One the Liana. One Nissa. One Ugin. So they actually do have about the same number of Planeswalkers. They're just in different spots. Yeah. So they basically, you know, like the creature package is different, but they have about the same number of creatures and Planeswalkers, both of them. And then finally, two Drown and Sorrows to, uh, you know, control the Token Menace. Asylum Guard. Okay. Yeah, Salamgar the Drifting Death, man. He's real. He's like a six mana, hexproof, three seven dragon, which is good. And then he says, if I get to attack once, your token deck is dead. He actually, in the finals, uh, against, ooh, sorry, I'm so bad with names, against Danny Goldstein, he, he did attack with Asylum Gar in one of the games, and it spelled absolute demise. Okay, that's cool. Um, it's, I was just saying that because I'm glad I wasn't the first one to have to pronounce that on this show. Oh yeah, because I had it completely different. But now that you Silumgar. say it, yeah, now that you say that that way, I like it. I don't know. Um, but no, that's cool. Uh, another brand new deck. Like this is becoming a pretty big theme here. Uh, yeah, the the Salt Hide deck was pretty good in the uh, Pharaohs format. It had a lot of the really powerful cards, and then there was just kind of a change in tempo for the new standard, and and it didn't hadn't really. Um, solidified itself into standard meta game. I think Cracks of Fade is exactly what the doctor ordered. It gives them their sweeper spell and they can dirtle as much as they want to. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Like so far, you know, we've gone through two Saltai decks and I haven't seen a whip and I haven't seen any of that shenanigans that Saltai was doing. And yeah, it's true. And like they definitely, especially Antrazi's deck list was positioned well for a whip. He has, he has a lot of cards you want to whip. Uh, but no whip decks so far. Uh, we have, uh, Abzan Aggro from Andrew Boswell. Um, yeah, this is another Absan Aggro deck. Uh, his, in fact, has Warden of the First Tree and Soldier of the Pantheon really taking the curve down low to the ground. This is almost more uh, like the Zoo list we talked about in Modern two weeks ago that just tops off at Siege Rhino. Yeah. That's pretty much what this is. And then he has, you know, Abzan Charms, Bile Blights, Valora Stance, 25 creatures. Yeah. Um, fairly sweet list. Uh, is Hunt the Hunter in the sideboard, which I have a lot of respect for. Yeah. Two Nisas, too. I, I, I like some Nisas. Uh, yeah, she's very powerful. Like, when they board in all their little teeny tiny creature removal and you play Nissa, <laughs> they're like, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so Abzan mid-range, and this is, this is, this is like Abzan late game. And that's from Dan Musser. He's rocking four Siege Riners, four Corsair Cruffix, one Tassiger, three Elspeths, two Sorens, and an Ugin. Yeah, that's a legitimate late game. Yeah, I mean, they, they say mid-range, but the curve looks to me like late game. Uh, four Abzan Charms, two Bile Blights, three Heroes Downfall, one Murderous Cut, an Utter End, two End Hostilities, two Read the Bones, and four Thoughtseize. I, I just, I mean, I know he had a, an excellent weekend, top eight and all that stuff, and it's his list, but... I wonder about the Soren Solemn Visitor. I wonder if he just didn't get the memo on the on the Garuk. I don't know. I, I mean, he doesn't really have anything to create creatures short of Corsair until turn five or later. Yeah, so but maybe he's using it for two twos. He just wants two twos. That That's doesn't awesome. seem that that good though. Well, if you stick a Corsair turn three and then you follow with a Soren, the Corsair is going to protect the yeah, he protect the Soren and enables you to get more plus and minus activations. It's it's just kind of weird though. It is. It's a little different. Um, sideboard of Bow Blight, Murderous Cut. 
which is a card I expected to see a hell of a lot more play throughout the, uh, throughout the format. It just, it always seems it's, like a one of or a two of. It's, it's definitely getting there. I mean, Gerard had two in his list. Ali had two in his list. So yeah, there's two here, but you know, one main, one side. It's just mm-hmm. kind of weird. Uh, unravel the Aether, a singleton, a single utter end, a extra Tassiger, the Golden Fang, a single, a Johnny Mentor of Heroes. That one seems weird for this deck too. Yeah, it does. Um, one like, Liliana. He doesn't does. have a lot of things to put the counters on. You know? right. I mean, I guess he just does get to just draw cards with it though, which is sweet. Yeah, drawing cards is always good. Uh, a Liliana Vest, three Drown and Sorrow, three Glare and Heresy, Glare of Heresy, and two more Read the Bones, so. Yeah, wants to be able to draw all the cards post board. He really can draw a lot of cards between Abzan Charb and, uh, Read the Bones. He has like eight draw two effects post board. Yeah, I mean, I know Dan and, I know he's a hell of a player, like no no question about that. I, I do wonder about you know a couple of the cards in there though. Um, That's first week. Everyone's just trying out stuff. Yeah, you're trying out new stuff. I'm sure he'll nail it down a little further. And then we have uh, the deck that just wins out of nowhere. Like you know you have one life. They're like 24, and you go, mm, I win. <laughs> wow, Michael Walewski's Just Guy Aggro list. Starts it off with 16 creatures, 4 Goblin Rival Master, 4 Mantis Rider, 4 Seeker of the Way, 2 Shaman of the Great Hunt, and 2 Stormwreath Dragons. So he has a lot of haste in his list. Yeah, this was not the list I thought it was. I thought this was the Jeskai Tokens list. No, I mean, he does have a lot of haste, though. Like, this yeah. Shaman of the Great Hunt uh, adds both a, a card draw source if you can pr- you know, protect it and uh, just a lot of damage. Mm. Uh, we have... Three Abzan advantage in this Jeskai aggro list, uh, which is actually just a pretty, pretty good call right now. Target player sacrifices an enchantment and then bolster one as an instant. So, uh, probably he's just gonna bolster a goblin token or something like that, but, you know, there's a lot of enchantments out there. It's pretty reasonable. Yeah, actually there wasn't as many as there has been because no whips and things yeah. like that. Well, but, I'm uh, sure they're out there in the Swiss though. Yeah, so probably. We have uh, two Dig Through Time, two, Des- two Jeskai Charm, four Lightning Strike, four Stoke the Flames, two Valorous Stance, and three Wild Slash for just all the burn. Wild Slash, very good card on the weekend. Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, making a one-mana shock, which has a relevant effect, is going to put it in, you know, put it in people's decks for sure. Uh, sideboard is a third Stormbreath Dragon, a fourth Abzan Advantage. Two Disdainful Strokes, three Dissipates, one Jeskai Charm, one Negate, two Valorous Stance, one Karanos, and three Arc Lightning. Super spicy. Really just uh, seeks to slow the game a little bit down after sideboard, figure out what you're trying to do, and stop you from doing it slightly. Yeah, um, so normally we'd stop right there, but this being week one, there's two more decks that absolutely we're going to have to touch on. Uh, we have an Ascendancy combo deck, but it's not Jeskai. So sick. <laughs> Teamer Ascendancy. Will, you're going to have to explain this one to me, man. Is this actually a combo deck? Uh, from what everybody has explained to me, yes. Okay. It, well, it's all about just drawing massive amounts of cards. All right. So we have we have three Teamer Ascendancies as our only non-creature, non-land cards. Uh, in case you guys are wondering, it's red, blue, green. Creatures you control have haste, and whenever a creature you control with power four or greater enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Uh, I'm gonna guess that it's a Teamer Sabertooth combo with Nykthos to generate mana. Yep. <laughs> Alright, so we have two Arbor Colossus, 
four Elvish Mystic, four Genesis Hydra, one Hornet Queen, two Sylvan Caryatid, four Teamer Sabretooth, one of my favorite cards for limited. Didn't realize it had this going for it. Four Voyaging Seder, two Boon Seders, four Corsair of Crufix, four Igelon of Blossoms, two Pelucranos, the World Eater, and one Nylea, God of the Hunt. So your Teamer Sabretooth, whose ability says pay one and a green, you may return another target creature you control to its owner's hand if you do Teamer Sabretooth gains indestructible until end of turn. So if you are able to continually bounce and replay a four-power guy, it will have haste and draw you cards. You then have this Nykthos Shrine to Nyx combo, which enables you to bounce your Voyaging Satyrs to continue to untap your land over and over again because they have haste. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you have an infinite mana loop and an infinite card loop, so you'll play your whole deck, which has haste and attack with 30-some creatures. And one of them being an Nylea. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is, in fact, an Nylea. Which, which you can be, use to give uh, creatures plus two, plus two. With your infinite mana. <laughs> yeah. Uh... That's well, I guess you can't go into infinite mana in your attacks now. No, no, you can just do it. You can just pre-combat. do it pre-combat. <laughs> well, I have all of my guys, so not something that works out very well on Magic Online. Uh, but uh, this deck is awesome <laughs> and has Boon Saders. Yeah, which lets you draw a card. It's a 4-2. It's a 4-2 for, for three mana that draws you a card and has haste. I love Teamer Ascendancy. I think the card is very good. I think that both abilities are very strong and... Uh, Mark Topner, Tufner, Tufner. It's a tough one. He's got a lot of consonants in a row. Uh, <laughs> he's got a pretty spicy little beast. I'd actually like to play this. He was just like Genesis Hydra. I need it for four. I gotta hit my saber tooth. Like, <laughs> how many times do you Genesis Hydra and you're not looking for Pelucranos? Crazy. Yeah. Um, saber tooth, Seder, Teamer Ascendancy, Shrine to Nix. You just go nuts from that point. I mean, this yeah. is, this is not, this is a classic old combo. It's not the whole, uh, you know, just a couple cards together. It's just a really good synergy. Like, this is like four cards deep, but man, when it's assembled, holy hell. I mean, it's even just a deck, too. Like, yeah, every one of those creatures are respectable. Yeah, like, okay, so this Sabretooth, this combo enabler that they're running, it's just a 4-3 for 4, which actually has a really good combat ability, which really matters because combat is very important in Standard. So, you know, and then like Teamer Ascendancy, it's going to replace itself uh, uh, and then some in this deck. You have, you know, like the Elvish Mystics and the Voyaging Satyrs and the Eidolons, which are also a draw engine, are the only things that don't, you know, set it off. So it's pretty right. sweet. Yeah, uh, sideboard, uh, more big stuff. That, that's more or less what you can look forward to. <laughs> three Hornets Nest, one Hornet Queen, three Nine or four Nylea's Disciple, so you don't die. And then two Reclamation Sage, one Whisperwood Elemental for the Spice Three Rangers Guile to protect your dudes, and of course, Ugin. <laughs> Why not, right? Well, I'm, you got all the manas for him. <laughs> you do have all the manas. Um, this was the cool deck of the weekend. Like every yeah, I didn't like, see this one. I just watched hell. the update, and uh, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the cool deck of the weekend. Um, right. That everybody just went nuts watching, and it's perfectly understandable why. Uh, the other one is Tom Ross, Just Guy Tokens. Um, literally, I watched him win multiple games while he was at one life and his opponents had over 20, and he did it in one turn. Um, Monastery Mentor, 
with the uh, Jeskai Ascendancy and all the spells is no joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, true. it's three Monastery Mentors, two Soulfire Grandmasters, an Elspeth Sons Champion, a Sarkon the Dragon Speaker, four Jeskai Ascendancy, one Dick Through Time, one Disdainful Stroke, one Jeskai Charm, two Lightning Strike, four Raise the Alarm, three Stoke the Flames, four Wild Slash, one End Hostilities, three Hordling Outbursts, four Treasure Cruise. I cannot tell you how many times he had a Monastery Mentor on the board. And, you know, he might have played like a Hordling Outburst the turn before. He uses that, and there's already a Just Guy Ascendancy there. He uses that to cast Stoke the Flames, untaps all those creatures, you know, from the Just Guy Ascendancy, digs through his deck, gets another Stoke the Flames, does it again, <laughs> and just, like, rinse and repeats the process. And then it's like, uh, you're dead, right? And it's like, yeah. Wait, what? No. Uh, what are you I, talking I, about? I played three Siege Rhinos this game. Yeah, like, I, I, I won, didn't I? I use it one. Yeah, one's not zero. One's not the same thing as zero. So, like, uh, this can be just, like, a, a quick whore deck, or this could be literally, like, so many times you're watching it going, he's dead. There's no way out of this. And then you watch him dig out of it, and it's like, you do not pick up your cards when you're playing this deck. <laughs> Until your life hits zero. This Monastery Mentor really had a, a pretty strong weekend as well. Between uh, this one and Tassiger were the, were the real breakouts. But uh, definitely the hype is real about the Mentor. Yeah, I mean, with Jeskai Ascendancy especially, because like it's letting you untap your creatures after you, you know. Mm -hmm. Having Stoke with this is just absurd. Oh well, yeah, I mean in the ascendancy list, like if you have the the ascendancy down, each stoke is gonna make every one of your fucking tokens plus two plus two, which is just absurd. Yeah, and make a new one. Yeah, like and that's the thing. It's kind of pack ratty in that even if you kill the mentor, if they've made one or more prowess tokens, like that's all the deck really wants is just prowess guys. Yeah. So and if the game gets slogged, they can bring in an Elspeth. They they can play their Elspeth to mm -hmm. actually put the board down into a spot where they can deal with you again with all their tokens. This really cool deck. Um, it, it's kind of I, I think we're just guy combo is dead. I think this is going to take its place. Yeah, it's definitely a Jeskai combo deck. Yeah, but it's not the old combo. Bounce everything you have. No, it's not that one. That's gone. Um, yeah. I don't think we need to see that ever again, except for maybe, you know, one or two players out there who have, you know, done well at Pro Tours with them. They'll, they'll still play it. Yeah. Um, aside from that, there wasn't too, too much that I saw that I felt like we really needed to go over. Um, cool weekend. Great representation from Fate Reforged. Yeah, a lot of cards definitely did some real heavy lifting. Uh, people really put their thinking caps on and brewed out some, you know, some pretty spicy lists. Like, everything looks really well and complete for being the first week of the format. Like, obviously numbers are going to tweak, but, you know, the Sultai and the red-white, you know, making huge leaps forward is uh, definitely a direct effect of the favorite Forge. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I remember a few weeks ago, Ryan asked us if, uh, asked the Facebook page if it's worth buying a case of this set. And I said, you know what, probably. I used to buy them back in the day when, it, when the cards weren't worth as much. Mm -hmm. And I caught a little bit of hell for saying probably. Because people are like, no, this set's not good, that good, this set's really not that good. And you know what? After looking at the first week... It still has fetches in it. Yeah, it has the fetches, right. But after looking at the first week and seeing how many cards actually performed well... Yeah. It, yeah, it might be. 
this Tassiger guy too. He can he cost one, value. Like, he can cost one mana. Like I'm so glad he's not the mythic one because like he he really does have a lot of room to be explored in the older formats. Like he should have been absolutely as a as a consideration for eternal formats. Yep. Um. And just as a uh, a quick touch because we did have a banned restricted uh thing happen in modern. Figure you know what we should probably talk a little bit about modern and. I remember saying, you know what, Boggles is probably going to be the deck. Uh, yeah, what I, came think, in first? I think it's, it's definitely the Boggles list. It's the, the Auras, you know, Green White, Aggro, whether you do play to last year's Players Championship. Right, Daybreak Coronet, Slippery. Oh Bob. my god. Yeah. That card is so good. Yeah, it is. Go get there. Um, so we had Auras in first place, so there's one of the changes that immediately we see. Um, Abazan mid-range, um, kind of expected. Right. Yeah, uh, he is on the Tasker, but it's, it's more or less just your Abzan value deck. You know, he is, uh, running the Lingering Souls and buying a bunch of time, a couple Planeswalkers. You know, good yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you expect to see a little bit of junk. I do have a question, and maybe, you know, one of the listeners can, uh, explain this to me. Is Doomblade just not good enough in modern? I uh, never see it. Never do I see that card. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think it's plenty good, but like, I don't know if I think it's better than Slaughter Pact. I think it's probably about equal to Slaughter Pact. I think that it's worse than Abrupt Decay. But like, I mean, if I'm in blue black, which there's a possibility I am, cause it's me, I mean, I would, I would look at Doomblade as a card. I think, I mean, it certainly is a playable card, for sure. Right, right. Uh, so then we had Pat Cox running, uh, four color zoo, but his zoo touched on blue. Actually, it's five color zoo. Yeah, it's the Tribal Flames, Snapcaster, Tribal yeah. Flames, Geist of Saint Draft. He has Elspis in his, li- in his list. Yeah, awesome. they should just write Tribal Zoo so I don't look stupid. Yeah, it's Tribal Zoo. It's Tribal Flames, Snapcaster, Tribal Flames. Uh, Green Red Tron. Uh, uh you got a, a Storm deck in fourth and sixth place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fourth and sixth was gonna be Storm. We had a Green Red Tron. Uh, Jund makes its appearance back into the top. Yeah, I, I felt this one coming too. Jund is, uh, like, now that you're not forced into Birthing Pod and kind of therefore forced into the green-white, uh, you know, people are going to play Jund again for sure. It has really great cards. Yeah, Master of the Fell, see him play in modern now. Yeah, Olivia, uh, still, she's, she's so scary in modern. Like, yeah. there are not a whole lot of cards that deal with her outside of path. Yep, and Affinity to round out the top eight. Robots. Um, and then after that, you know, we have some, more repeats, Merfolk shows up, a burn deck shows up. Uh, that That's pretty much going to be the 9 to 10 decks you're going to see in modern. Uh, there's a, a couple while. other players. There's Scapeshift still real, and, you know, there's definitely other, other you know, control shells out there yeah, available. The Jeskai Flash deck, um, really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, Twin's still a list. Like, there, there's a, I, I think there's a lot of depth and variety in the format. I was kind of surprised not to see any pod decks on the top eight, though. Yeah, yeah, kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> pod Ooh, is too good. soon. Oh. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's a deep format still. I thought, it, I thought it was before. I uh, think it's even deeper now. I, I really do. But it seems like if you go through like the top 16, you see about 12 different decks. And that's just in the top 16. There are decks probably, you know, right on the fringe that just didn't make it. Yeah. Um, like I didn't see Assault Moon. What the hell is that? It's a, it's a, a, blah. Blood gas task. Seismic Assault is the win con and it, it goes and, uh, dredges life from the loan every turn. So it has like Raven's Crime to shut down your hand and, uh, 
then he just seismic assaults anything on the board until it's dead, and then seismic assaults you after that. Yeah, Dredgevine uh, showed up in 29th with its best finish. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's decks. Um, it's it's open. Knock yourself out. Go build. Be free. Um, you have been released from the oppressions of birthing. <laughs> this guy has two hooting mandrels in his... I guess it's for a green, so it's theoretically easier to cast than the Tassiger. I feel like he just wants three Tassigers in that slot, though. Uh, the trample's not something to laugh at, as strange as it sounds. Like There was talk a little bit about hooting mandrels possibly being legacy playable. I, I think it's really close to legacy playable. If ta- if Tarmogoyf wasn't a 4-5, if it was a 4-4, I mean, absolutely, Hooting Mandrels is legacy playable. Yeah, kind of sick. Um, so that was SCG. We're not going to touch on legacy because um, there's really no point. Yeah, take that, legacy. <sighs> yeah, I'm sorry, legacy. You know I love you, but we have stuff. Wow, but I don't feel well. in the top three. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there's your legacy minute. <laughs> Sunday Super Series Championship. Now, anybody who's ever been to a GP knows what the Sunday Super Series is, but for those of you who don't, it's the washout tournament. Um, yeah, it's a really high, uh, highly competitive tournament. Yeah, you wash out on day one, you go play the Sunday Super Series on Sunday, obviously, and you choose between limited or standard, and... There's two of these tournaments running at the same time, and then you meet in the, t- the top four from the standard and the top four from the uh, limited. They meet in a draft. That's cool. Uh, so it goes sealed, standard, draft. Um, the top eight of the draft will play each other, and the winner from each GP gets a plane ticket, and I want to say maybe even board. But you wow. get sent to Seattle to play in the tournament at the end of the year. Um, it's, it's really a cool thing for, you know, those players who – just wash out on day one to, you know, go do, because it is high level. There's good prizes awarded. And, you know, getting that trip's not a bad uh, consolation. Yeah, the either. trip to Seattle is a huge deal on yeah. it, and that that is a very cool thing. Yeah, they walk you around Wizards. You get a tour of everything. Uh, you get swag, because anybody who ever goes to Wizards gets handed a bunch of swag. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think last year was the first one of these, and if uh, memory serves me correct, Owen Turtonwald won it. Oh, of course he did. Yes. Uh, so, you know, the one tournament he didn't top eight last year. <laughs> it seems like he top eighted a lot of them last year. He sure did, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Kid. Who knows about magic? So, uh, this uh, Luis Salvato wins this thing. And this is a three format thing because. Yeah, it's pretty real. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, you have to play. Um, the formats, oh, what were the formats? Standard, sealed. sealed, and modern, maybe legacy, probably modern. Probably modern, if I had to, if I had to guess. Um, I didn't make it close enough in any of these this year to really care what the, uh, I, yeah, I only watched for a little bit in the limited rounds day of Sunday, uh, whenever, before I, I turned on the, uh, Star City Games event. Yeah, right, right. I, I, I tried to flip back and forth, but, uh, once I saw Gerard Fabiano was doing well, I, I just kept watching. I like that guy. Yeah, so our top eight broke down as such. Uh, Chas Hinkle versus Luis Salvato. Salvato wins 2-0. Dominic Prozek, 2-0 over Gutum Lam. Uh, Oscar Christensen, 2-0 over Kume Kai. Uh, Matthew Costa loses to Jeremy Ross Latour. It's kind of a shocker. Matt Costa would have been the horse I put my money on. I'm looking at that top eight, yes. But this is the nice thing about this whole uh, Sunday Super Series is if you're one of those guys who are just on the edge, 
you know, who, who can day two the occasional GP, but, you know, never make it really to the top eight, or you can, you have a legit shot in these Sunday Super Series, mm-hmm. and you have a legit shot at going to this tournament and doing extremely well, and it really does, and I hate to say second-tier players, but it really does reward those second-tier players, not the pros, the heavy pros. I mean, like, again, Turtonwall won last year, but I think that's going to be an aberration. I think most of the time you're going to see things like this, uh, where it's somebody you'd never heard of winning it. Yeah, for sure. And it's really cool. Uh, so Salvato wins 2-1 over Prozac, Christensen 2-0 over, uh, Jeremy Ross Latour, and, uh, Oscar Christensen loses to Salvato 2-1. So just to clarify, they played, uh, a both booster draft and in a sealed format and also standard. Okay, booster draft seal. Okay, so it's just like your normal Sunday Super Series. That makes sense. Mm, I guess it does, doesn't it? <laughs> That's what you play at the Super Series. So yeah, uh, I'm guessing the top eight decks are all drafts. So no, they're standard. They're standard. Ooh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, anything worth talking about here? We have Abzan Agro. That's uh, let's some... see, Luis Sovato, our our winner. He was playing red white. Okay. Yep. Secret of the Way, Goblin Rabble Master, Brimass, Ashcloud Phoenix. It's pre-rotation. It doesn't. Oh have... no, Valorous Sansa's here. So, but he doesn't have the Monastery Mentor. Does he have the Siege? No, but he has Valorous Stance. He has Chain to Rocks, Swirling Outburst, Chandra Power Master. Out two outpost Siege in the sideboard. Okay. I was just saying that seems weird. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's. I guess he doesn't like uh prowess tokens. He'd rather have Brimass. Yeah, so we had a red-white mid-range from Salvato that, you know, Will just kind of went over. We also had a uh, Sidisi whip from Matt Costa show up. So that's the first whip I've talked about all day. That's kind of shocking. <laughs> there was a... There were a couple whip decks in the top 16 of uh, Star City Games. Yeah, uh, Kumai K, he was on Absent Aggro. Uh, Dominic Prozic, uh, Black Green Constellation. Abzan Agro from Guitar Lam. Oscar Christensen's green red list is pretty spicy. Uh, red like green it. monsters here, so. Yasova Dragon Claw, getting some love. Yeah. Making some threats. Yeah. Following up on them. Yeah. Crater's Claws, that's what you like about them. Ashcloud, li- Ashcloud Phoenix, Boon Satyrs, Heir of the Wilds, Goblin Rabble Masters, Storm Breath, like, the one of Become Immense. This list is sweet. Four Stormbreath Dragons, just... Oh, that's just the right number. Come it on. just seems like where you want to be right yeah, now. Yeah, it is. It, you're right. <laughs> uh, and it, we, Jeremy lost the tour. He was on some Ascendancy. Um, we had another Abzan Agro from Chas Hinkle. So, I mean, it, good rounding of it. Uh, not quite the diversity we saw at Star City Games. But yeah, not as much uh, exploration into the new format by these guys. Smaller tournament. You know. And they're on a vacation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not as much time to get all of the toys together. Well, you got the time, but do you really want to spend that time? Probably not. I don't know. I guess I would just think Wizards would give you all the cards for free. Yeah, they should. They should just be like, here's a play set of everything in fucking standard right now. Go build. That'd be awesome. That would be sweet. Okay, so um, we'll be back right after these words from our sponsor. Pit Imps Podcast is brought to you this week and every week by the Brainstorm Brewery. Okay, trivia time. Um... I'm doing it this week. Will's going to do it in the future. Uh, so, number one. What was the only card reprinted in 7th edition to retain its original wording from Alpha? Number two. 
What is the name of a new ability that first appeared in Scars of Mirrodin block, which involves having at least three artifacts in play? Number three, what is the only uncommon white sorcery in Homelands? Number four, what was Magic the Gathering's first expansion set? Number five, in Fallen Empires, what is the name of the followers of Torok? If you want the answers, uh, listen to later in the show, and we'll go back over these. What's in the mystery box? I don't know. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm on the wizard site. Oh. <laughs> well, speaking of the wizard site, if you go on there, there is a uh, February through April F&M promo update. And I, uh, you know, we're tournament players. We, you know, you're supposed to go to F&Ms. I don't, but I know a lot of our listeners do. But the I'd April like ones, to. I, I would love to. Um, our April one's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's a very pretty art on that suspension field they got there. Yeah, brand new suspension fields that they're going to be giving out for Friday Night Magic. Um, I got to give them credit. I can remember playing Friday Night Magic's back in the day, and you never got a card that was relevant to standard. No, no, you never got playable cards. And like they're they're doing their best to give you playable cards. Like the Hordling Outburst one is going to be so important for everyone to get. That card is fucking like, everywhere. That suspension field as well. I mean, it's a good, it's a fine card. Yeah, I mean, it's something that sees play. It's at least not ignored. Yeah, but I mean, there's like six different Hordling, Hordling Outburst decks, though. It just goes in everything, you know. It's, it's yeah. like Mardu through Jeskai Ascendancy. Yeah, but I mean, like back in the day, we never would have had a run where there was Disdainful Stroke playable, Hordling yeah, Outburst playable, Suspension Field playable. I liked Shadow more. It went Kitchen Finks into Meryl Regeray, and I got, I got eight yeah. copies. I, I was, uh, was on a real tear at FNM at that time and ended up getting four copies of each. Yeah, I got my Finks that way too, um, yeah. which was cool because I, I bought I a couple boxes buy. and I think I opened two of them. Yeah, I, I had one non-foil Kitchen Finks and then all the rest are my, my promos. Oh man. Yeah, that's pretty much the way it worked for me too. Um, and they didn't look that different, so it was kind of weird. Um, so, uh, Will, you missed your pre-release, right? Yeah, I sure did. I'm really looking forward to that MTGO pre-release. Yeah, well, guess what? It starts this Friday. Oh. So, uh, guys, uh, Fate Reforged is going to go live Friday uh, with pre-release events till Monday, and then they will be release events. Um, pre-release events, we have uh, Friendly Sealed, Competitive Sealed, and they do encourage you to get into the one you want that you should be in. Like, if you're getting in it to, you know, grab Saltai and just fuck around, get into the Friendly. Um, yeah. If you're trying to go in there and crush face, get in the competitive one because there you do see a difference in quality of play when you're, you're going to get a much higher quality match and a better experience overall. Yeah. Even if you don't win as many games. And, and you know what? The competitive sealed. Oh, there's Swiss draft as well. Um, how do they say, hey, you want to do competitive sealed, not the uh, the friendly sealed? Well, they do that in the prizes, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Um, competitive sealed is going to be, you know, 16 players, sealed, Swiss, blah, 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 blah. Four wins is going to get you 11 packs, okay? Uh, seems awesome. I don't see a problem with that. Um, in the friendly sealed, four wins get you five packs. E- so. Competitive it is, you say. But the thing is, uh, one win gets you two packs. And one so win gets you two packs. They pay out almost down to the bare bones, nothing. Yeah, I believe that. So if you're somebody who just, you know, wants to get in some games, maybe win a couple packs, and you're not the most confident in your abilities, yeah, you want to go to the friendly. Um, 
Yeah, you'll have fun. You'll totally be still wanting to play Magic by the end of round four, hopefully. Yeah, um, and if you're a spike like I am, you live in the competitive sealed area, and yep. you go nuts. <clears throat> Yeah, I'll probably will relate for the re- or wait for the release cues. Uh, yeah, the uh, one thing I will say is in these pre-releases, um, I don't expect this set to be as bad. Uh, but in the past, there's a lot of mirror matches because you you wasn't walking into a store where you said, "Look, I only have six ads in." Yeah, you know, you're walking into a store that says, "I have as many as you want." <laughs> I expect there to be a lot of abs in. Yeah, Abzan, Mardu. Um, Abzan and Mardu are uh, really popular. Yeah, I, I expect those to get picked off. Teamer as well did really well. Uh, Just Guy, it's, that's the one that you buy for value, I heard a lot of people say, just because one of the mythics you could get was the Monastery men- or yeah, right. thing and the uh, Soulfire Grandmaster. Yeah, exactly. There's a pretty good value of cards there. I, I think it's good, too. It's just that one takes a little bit longer to find than a couple than most of the other lists. You know, getting your prowess versus uh, spells, you know, correct is uh, is a bit harder to do. It's difficult in sealed, where yeah. in in draft it's a hell of a lot easier. Like it's so powerful in draft, it's unreal. But in sealed, like you don't get to pick and choose your card every time, and sometimes the packs don't come to you. Uh, so release events. This is where shit gets fun. Uh, we have four three two two drafts. We have triple fate reforged four three two two drafts. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, those are the fun ones. Those are the ones I always seem to do a ton of. There's usually a really nice gimmick strategy that you can use to just bulldoze wins. Usually, yeah. Uh, I usually end up doing a ton of those, and I rack up a bunch of packs, and that's how I play for half the season. Mm-hmm. Um, 8-4 drafts and Swiss drafts, of course. There's also a friendly and a competitive sealed for release weekend. Uh, they're sealed with a top eight. That is a premier sealed event. Um, expect to sit down and play for seven hours if you get into yeah, that. Yeah, that's a really good uh, ex- expenditure of your money, though, if you just want to get a lot of magic for a little bit of money. Yeah, if you just want to play and you really don't necessarily care about waiting out, that's a great place to say, hey, I'm going to drop 30 bucks and I'm going to play seven rounds. Because you're going to get that. Um, yeah. If you feel you're good enough to win, you definitely should get in these things because the payoff is amazing. Payoff is really good. I mean, I've top eighted these things and they're nuts. Uh, 64 player single elimination drafts with the top eight. Uh, another thing, you know, I've top eighted these. So worth it if you can get into them. Yeah, hey, you think you can take down two drafts? We'll do yeah, it. That's what it is. Back to back. Just win back to back. I mean, it's, you know, you're eliminated as soon as you lose. But you get through your pod, and if you can get through your pod, you're in a spot where you're like, you know what, even if I lose, I'm walking away with a pretty good prize. And, you know, you're always hoping to win, of course. Uh, so I'll be probably participating in both of those over the next month. Uh, participation promos, uh, Yasova Dragon Claw. Those well, are the, uh, the icons or whatever you call them. Yeah, uh, you'll get that if you do a pre-release. Uh, any of them, and also the Triple Fate Reforged 4322 release drafts, you'll get them, and for a friendly release, sealed, you'll get them. So, um, yeah, I'll probably have a 100 of those yep. uh, <laughs> because of those Triple Fate Reforged. Uh, Ugin the Spirit Dragon, you get that. Um, it's a real pretty Ugin, too, very colorful background. Yeah, you get that for doing any of the premier release events or, you know, higher level ones. So, cool. Um, I know, yeah, Moto. I know what I'm going to be spending time doing this coming weekend. Uh, I know Will didn't get a chance to do his pre-re, so there's yeah, I'm gonna uh, have to. It's worth just getting a feel for the cards. I know. I mean, I just 
pre-release online is not the same thing as pre-release in reality. Like, I, I'm very excited to be to be doing the release events, though. I like when a first set uh, a set first comes out. I like exploring the limited format for sure. Yeah, I'll be more excited about the release events, hands mm-hmm. down, no questions asked, because that's the first it don't time. It costs as much play. money. Yeah, and I, it's the first time you get to play real sealed. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm gonna be you know cracking three packs of this and three packs of the other thing, and I'm really gonna get to do that. And it's, I'm also gonna get to draft it and. You know, do it the right way. It's, it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, good luck to everybody else who jumps on there this weekend as long as you don't play against me. Um, so here's the deal, folks. I've been sick as a dog and I was unable to do the numbers again. So I'm no longer going to promise that we're going to do numbers for a topic. One of these days it'll just show up. Trust me. Uh, aside from that though, uh, I'm going to do our topic for this week is going to be one that, you know, we figured that was going to be in our pile of possible topics. And that's back to basics. Um, back to basics time, guys. Let's focus on the fundamentals of the game. Yeah. And things that, you know, you hear people say all the time, but you might be afraid to ask, what do they mean? Well, one of those things is this week's topic, developing a curve. What is a curve? And what curve comes from is if, it's kind of weird. Like if you sat down and you build a chart, you know, a normal bar, bar graph, and you put all your one drops in one row, put all your two drops in another row, you put all your three drops in another row, four or five, so on, so on, you're going, to, you can draw a line across the top of those. Yeah, it should have a nice little bell curve by the time you're done. Yeah, you, you have different types of curves. Um, how do we get the, the name for mid-range? Well, when you look at a curve of the mid-range, right in the middle is the highest point. Yeah, basically it depends on, you know, what role you want to take in the game, at what density you're going to have different mana costs in your deck. For example, if you want to take a very aggressive stance, it's very important for you to lower your curve as much as possible to the ones and twos so that you're very stacked down low and you're able to have the highest access to your cards early. Whereas, uh, you know, for a, a mid-range list, your curve is going to back off two or three mana points depending on what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's really weird, like, if you were to graph it, like I, I had said earlier, your aggro decks, a lot of times it's like one, two, three, fall off cliff. And that's yeah, they've been getting like. a little bit beefier lately, but uh, that's that's the traditional aggro is you'll have you'll have you know ten to, to twelve, maybe sixteen one drops, sometimes twenty one drops in a deck, and and then ten two drops, and then yeah. like four three drops. <laughs> it's very important for the aggro decks to have absolute use of their mana early. You know their their early turns are the most important, um, but just for the most part, developing your curve is just trying to have the most mana efficiency at any point in the game to fill your plan out. Even if you are the mid-range list and you're stacked and you're, you know, four and five and six drops, it's also very important for you to just have something to do in the early turns as well. I See, I consider mid-range more three, four, five, not necessarily six. Where, wherever it is. Yeah, you know, um, magic is getting a little bit slower these days, and the, the more powerful, higher-impact spells are, are getting that much better. Now, uh, one of the things that traditionally... This may sound a little odd. You'd think control decks because immediately you think, oh, they got like two creatures in their nine drops. And they have an Ugin in there. And, you know, so you think, oh, these are going to be these huge decks. Control deck curves are typically usually very weird. They're usually very stacked at one, two, and three. Usually very very stacked at two. Two is the, is yeah. the money slot. And a, and a lot of control, deck, control decks. Yeah. One, two, three, those are where most of your spells are going to sit. And what it ends up doing is you'll look at your curve and it will... It'll go down almost to nothing, and then it shoots back up. Um, it's a very untraditional curve. It's not a curve that looks appealing, 
but it's a curve that works, goddammit, just because of the type of decks that they are. Uh, so, Will, when you're looking at someone's curve, what do you not want to see? Well, I, I don't want to see uh, one that's imbalanced in, in any real way at this point in time in Magic. I've <coughs> excuse me, I've played a lot of gimmicky decks that are all one-drops or all three-drops or whatever, and generally that doesn't work. So you want to have the ability to utilize all your mana on, on all the turns that the game is going to last. You know, if it's going to last five or six turns, you still need to have stuff to do on turns five and six, which is going to require higher mana cost cards. But you also don't want to see someone who has only the big giant things in their deck, only six and seven mana cards with no way to support them down low. Yeah. You know, uh, it's very important that you that you do have, you know, peaks and, and valleys in your list or however it's gonna go, but it does need to spread out among all the varying mana costs. Yeah, they say a traditionally good curve is something that moves fluidly. So you're not looking at like you know, something I hate seeing in curves is and maybe it's just me, I don't know, but like if I'm looking at somebody's deck and I see, you know, twelve ones Four twos, twenty threes. If those ones aren't like Lanawar elves, yeah, unless they're all Lanawar elves. <laughs> like I hate seeing that curve yeah. because that's just the type of curve that's going to take you into the loss bracket. And that's it's not gonna, really yeah. It, in that specific example, you're giving yourself much less to do on turn two. And, and turn that, two is more powerful than turn one. We right. all know that. And then at the choice of three. You don't give yourself until turn six to play two spells a turn, which is where kind of the second level of tempo comes in. Right. And, you know, that, that's just, that's very, very slow. You know, it's, a, it's important both to think about when you're playing one spell a turn and also when you're playing more than one spell a turn. Right. How are, you know, how are you going to be able to tap all of your lands every turn? You know, generally speaking, the player who uses more mana in a game is going to win and a proper curve is going to allow you in a lot of cases to be using your mana at least through the set first five turns of the game very well. Mm -hmm. And if you're a limited player, um, now in standard you can break these rules because of cards like Lana Worlds, like I said. Um, so these rules can kind of be broken a little bit in general. It, but in limited, it's a much different. In limited, it, it's following a good, proper curve where literally it looks like a hump 90% of the time is going to produce your best finishes. Now, there are occasional sets. Zendikar, I used to top off it too. Yeah, Zendikar was extremely aggressive, yeah. especially in the ra in the black-red format. And, you know, yeah, Game oh, Crash, yeah. same way. It was like, I just top out it too. There was no reason to play anything beyond three because the cards were so good down there. Um, yeah, yeah, you get to get on the two spells a turn track that much quicker, and that's, yeah. forget about it. But th this is more we're talking draft when we say this, but in Sealed, um, look, I I've played Sealed a long time. I consider myself a very good Sealed player. And the number one thing I do when I play sealed is if you look at my curve, it's the most important thing to me when I'm building my deck. Absolutely. As is mine as well. Yeah. It, it's far more important than this card's good. It's far more important than, you know, I'll play a bad card in a three drop position to cut my six drops because, yeah. you know, you have to. It's it's a little different in, in limited as well too. Generally speaking, you don't want a whole lot of one mana effects in your deck. You'll you'll only want one or two total, maybe three or four. Uh, yeah, and usually those are going to be combat tricks. Usually, there are very few one mana creatures that are good in limited. Yeah, I mean if you crack a warden. Oh, the first tree or sure. whatever? Yeah. Absolutely. Yourself out. Disowned right. Ancestor? Absolutely. Yeah. That guy's fine, too. Run those. Um, but, you know, the high... The generic 1-1 one, one for 1? Yeah. Don't play that. So, play a disdainful stroke in its place. You know, no, you, you want to start at 2, and depending on how aggressive you are, you probably want anywhere from 4 to 8 twos in your list. I mean, the, the all-bears list I've had a lot of success with. 
and then you know somewhere between you know, four, you know, two to two to six three drops, depending on the format, and then you want to gradually wean down to three four drops, two five drops, and one six drop, or, or you know, just as an example. Yeah, you want your curve to just look like a nice rolling hill most of the time, and if that means that your your, your high points at four, your high points at three, your high points at five, that's fine. Just make sure that the curve works. You know, you don't want six one drops, no two drops, no three drops, a bunch of four drops. Like, no, 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 no. That yeah, that's not a successful build. No, um, even, you know, zero, nine, two, seven, like that's not. <laughs> no, that one's not a great one either. Your turn three is abysmal. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, when you're playing sealed, you get what you get. Um, but this is when you can look at cards and go, you know what? I know this card is better, but I just need a body. Yeah, like a lot of times it even just changes your color selection as well. Like you, you talk about just wanting a consistent curve and, and basically because like the idea is, is that if you're just playing a guy every turn for the first four or five turns of a limited game, you're in really, really good shape a lot of the time. Yep. So, um, you want to just do that to keep on track, and a lot of times that's going to mean when you build your pool, picking a color that has less viable high-end cards, you know, less bomb cards for the consistency overall of your deck. And uh, a lot of players make the mistake of getting caught up by their really catchy rares and having, yeah. you know, two or three really big bomby cards in the six and five slots or whatever they tend to be, and not having enough support cards to get there. So by the time their, their bomb cards do come out, they're so helplessly behind to the commons that are played on the first four turns of the game, or, you know, turns two through five, that uh, there's a real problem. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I was just about to. Uh, I've said in the past, when you play sealed, especially, don't get caught up by the shiny things. And that's the big dumb creatures that's just like, if I play this, I win the game. Yeah, well, you know what? There's 40 cards in your deck. The chances are you're not going to see that card in most games. Um, if you build by the curve, that will steer you away from the shiny things, predicting how you're going to play and what decks you're going to play. Uh, so, you know, keep this in mind, you know, when you play your sealed, when you're building your standard decks. Your curve, being able to play something on every turn. On all the relevant turns of the game to you. Yeah, it is just so important in this game because if you take a turn off, typically your opponent didn't. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a well-constructed uh, uh, constructed deck, a well-made constructed deck generally doesn't take any turns off. And if you're taking turns off and your opponent isn't, you're falling behind. It's it's as simple as that, and that's why the curve is so important to this game. It, yeah, it has to do with the, with the fact that you're only allowed one land per turn, and you start with a much higher amount of cards in hand than you do to mana resources available to play them, so it's important to have high densities of castable cards early, which will then you know be able to, when the situation is reversed in the late game, when you have low numbers of cards in hands and high amounts of mana available, that this is by then you've seen you know some of your large package. Um, yeah, I, I think that summed it up pretty well. If you need further um, explaining on this, get on the Facebook page and ask us. We'll answer it. Also, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'll answer it. Um, but I, I know that we have a lot of you know top tier players and you know high level players that listen to this. Yeah, show. apparently guys that are good at magic listen to this show. Yeah, so I don't want to get too far into this basics, um, but I do also hear from a lot of brand new players who, you know, say to the, who will flat out tell you, I'm not that good at this, who this does apply to. So for those spiky players you play all the time, I'm sorry if you had to listen to something you knew about already. But, you know, think about all the players out there that listen to this that don't. 
I do want to apologize to the Spike. Spike, work on your fucking mana curves. Get them perfect. Yeah, get them right. But, you know, God to, damn it. to the lower tier players, they need help as well. So, you know, that's what this is for. Um, we're going to have different subjects for different people as, you know, the topic thing goes on. This was just our first Back to Basics. Um, back to Basics. Yeah, I like that. By the I, I like that one. What do you think about Back to Basics? Well, I think, I think the basics are a very important part of the game. And I think that a lot of, you know, I think everyone can get better at the fundamentals. I, I, I think that there should, you know, it should be like when you go to practice for your football team or whatever, your yeah, soccer club. Basketball. Every, you do, every game, every practice, I start my kids off doing layup drills. You do drills, right? You should have magic drills too. You should think about it like, because what is the proper use of my mana every turn? And that's what brought us the curve. And, and I will say this to the spiky players, especially, I know a lot of times when I hit slumps, I have to reset, and what that means for me is going back to the basics as much as possible. Yeah. And I watch my win percentage jump because I begin to believe I'm better than what I actually am. I'm it's better true. than what the game is. And if you go back to the basics, sometimes you can find the flaws in your decks just by going, oh, Jesus Christ. It's, yeah. it's right here, you know? And, you know, sometimes that's good even for the spiky players to go back to the basics. So every few weeks or so, we're going to touch on going back to the basics, but um, we're going to take another break here, and then we'll be back in a moment. Okay, I hope you guys got all these. Let's go back over the questions and the answers one more time. Number one was, what is the only card reprinted in 7th edition to retain its original wording from Alpha? And the answer to that was Stream of Life. Yeah, I know. Um, so, number two is, what is the name of the new ability in Scars of Mirrodin block, which involves having at least three artifacts in play? And the answer to that is Metalcraft. Um... What is number three was what is the only uncommon white sorcery in homelands and that was leeches. Um, it was like two white and one um, remove all poison counters. Uh, target player takes damage equal to the number of poison counters removed that way. Uh, what was Magic the Gathering's first expansion set? That was Legends. Um, yeah, good set. Okay, and uh, my favorite, in Fallen Empires, what is the name of the followers of Torok? And the answer to that is the Order of the Ebon Hand. Did you get them? Did you get them? Probably not. Maybe. Probably some of them, I'm sure. Some of them were harder than others, I know. Uh, now back to the show. Okay, so the hell with all the magic talk. Um, what the hell have you been up to, dude? Oh, man. We need to talk. I got to hear that again, which of course is never a good thing, so, uh, yeah, finally this whole Liz thing is just finally done and over with. Just packed all her shit and put it in her car. Which I really, I guess, I, I mean, it ends up it's a good thing, cause she, uh, was not ever really invested in this as much as I was, and that's just, it's kind of a bummer of a situation. You know, it's like somewhere I find myself, you know, regularly with, with my romantic relationships where just I end up putting more in than the other person and it ends up just becoming very imbalanced and that's what happened. So I'm sorry to hear that, man. I'll I'll talk the off air about it. Uh yeah, it's cool. I mean it's whatever. It's just like that's what happened. But aside from that, I But uh, ladies, ladies, this sexy beast is back on the show. Yeah. He's looking for a wife. Yeah, I am looking for a wife, it's true. <laughs> uh you but, want commitment? Uh, this is your man. I am a commitment guy. That's me. So I 
I burned my dick off at work this week too. That's awesome. Pretty cool. I, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I did this cleaning of a grill, which I then found out hasn't been done in roughly seven years. Oh my so it was, it was really bad. And I like spent two hours cleaning the grill while, so I'm like in it behind it in between this stainless steel wall and this grill with like gas lines there. And the guy is cooking on the grill <laughs> as I'm cleaning it and like, you know, it's not very safe. Uh, but that was but neither you know, is not cleaning your grill and seven. Yeah, it was it was on fire. It like just set on fire for like an hour, and like I would turn it off and throw baking soda and salt on it, and you know then I'd turn it back on and it would catch back on fire. Oh my god! So, um, but yeah, and then and then as I'm pushing the grill back in, I'm just totally covered in water, and my you know my my pelvic area uh hits my wet pants hit the very hot front of the grill, and it steam burns me. Ooh. So that was really sweet. Uh, so uh, ladies, he has no use of his penis for. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a whole lot of dick right now. I got the flap going on. Uh, it's cool though. The sack is still intact. But uh, yeah, so and then I I started uh, training at the other place across the street, which is a high end uh, restaurant with real food, and I get to grill filet mignon and shit like that, and uh, that's awesome, you know. So I'm I'm hopefully going to be transferred over there full time within the next couple weeks and uh, get to do that stuff which i enjoy more that's cool yeah real yeah. cooking is a lot better than uh line cooking yeah it is i mean it's still a line but like yeah i'm still going to be like building salads and stuff but i'm i'm cooking real food and i'm I'm doing real techniques yeah and there's like, a difference between line cooking of fries and line cooking for high yeah, end there's exactly a real difference um, yeah exactly and like the stuff that comes off the saute station at the other restaurant is really cool yeah saute so. station see see you said saute station is the other yeah, one that have one no it's the grill area yeah Exactly. <laughs> it's like grill, salads, fry. Yeah. Yeah. Grill, fry, that's it. So this one's, this one's better. But, um, you know, I've been, been playing some video games and I've been drinking a lot. Uh, and that's about, that's about it. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. What have you been up to? How's your hand? Uh, my hand's pretty much fine. Uh, is it? I have little issues with heavy weight. Mm-hmm. Um, it still applies pressure to my wrist that doesn't feel right. Mm. You know, like there's still something in there that's wrong, but it's, it's at such a high weight. That, you know, it, look, it's not at a high weight for a weightlifter. Like, I think my heavy weightlifting days are over. Um, but it's just an everyday guy who goes about his business. Like, how, how often do I need to lift 200 pounds above my head? Right. You know, so it's like, is it worth the surgery just so I can go back to possibly being able to weightlift heavy weights? You know, I can still do light weights with high rep and, you know, get my workouts in that way. But I, I think my heavy lifting days are probably over. And that's kind of a shame, but I just... Yeah, I, I know you like putting up the heavy shit. Yeah, I just don't see where it's worth it to me to, you know, go through surgery, go through the rehab, go through all that garbage just to be able to say, yeah, my, I, I, you know, instead of being able to bench press 180, now I can, you know, bench press 235. Yeah, rehab's a bitch. Yeah, it really is. And that's really what I don't want to go through again. Like, I don't want to live with a cast again for another six weeks. Um, I don't like casts. So, you know, that was a tough decision that I had to make, but I did make it. Uh, sucks, but in the long run, you know, I can do everything in my normal everyday life without a problem. So... That's fine. I mean, I'll see when I get back to work for sure, you know, when I'm humping wheelbarrows and what have you. But, you know, those are on a lever, it's, so it's just naturally easier anyway. So I yeah, think I'll, that's why, I mean, you get tools. Yeah, you know, exactly. Tools are made to do stuff like that. Right. Um, so I, I think I made the right decision. I I hope I did at least. Uh, <clears throat> aside from that, this week has been fucked up. Ugh, sick. 
oh, just the flu, man. Just unreal bad. I mean, I got to play some video games, which I guess is kind of nice, but, like, I was half in it, half out. Yeah, it's hard playing video games when you're out of it. Yeah, I did get to uh, 100% completion on Assassin's Creed. Good job. I know that's a big deal for you. Years after I bought it, I finally decided to really start playing it, and I hit 100% completion uh, the other day, which was really cool. That, and um, I've been playing, and, you know, I I doubt... um, I, I doubt this is going to shock anybody, but I downloaded this game on my phone called Immortals, and this is put out by the WWE. Huh. But it's it's a fighting game that's made by the same people who made Mortal Kombat and who made uh, DC's. Uh, damn it, I can't think of the name of it, but it was a really good fighting game for the. Like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Right. It was like yeah, the DC like 3D Mortal Kombat style. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so these two Mortal Kombat team and that team got together. They put out this app for the WWE. And there's flaws in it. You know, there are bugs that need patched. Like sometimes it, a character will tag out a battle and a new one will come in and the old one will still be hitting you. Um, That's awesome. It doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. Uh, sometimes, yeah, those are bugs. Yeah, sometimes you'll go and you'll hit your uh, power move and it just won't do anything, but you'll lose all of your adrenaline that you built up or what have you. So, like, that's that part of it's kind of shitty, but the general play of it is super addictive and super good. It's a free app. Um, Sweet. You, like, you have so much stamina, you can usually get in, you know, anywhere <laughs> between... I got a lot of stamina. Well, I mean, per character. You can usually get in between, like, three and ten matches before you have to set your player down and say, okay, um, you know, but in two hours, he recharges completely. Oh, okay. Or you can spend money money to recharge them, but there's really nah. no sense. You know, like, I'm at the point now where, you know, because I've been sitting literally on my couch for seven days. Um, that's why the pittance was late this last week. I'm sorry. Uh, but, like, I've been sitting on the couch just, you know, I, I can't get up because as soon as I get up, I, like, fall down because I was so dizzy. It was bad. That's um, real bad. Yeah. So, like, it, it was bad. And so I've been grinding a fair amount of this while just sitting on the couch and, I've built up enough characters where, like, I'll start at one end. <laughs> By the time you're done, you got you got them going again. By the time I've gotten through them all to earn, you know, money and experience and all that stuff, i got to wait an hour for the first ones to be ready again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that wait's not that bad. Like, you know, you can go find something to do. Or, you know, you can just put the game down for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd rather not do that, though, right? Right, I mean, it's a good game. Like, it's the type of game that if it didn't have that stamina thing, I, I might not stop playing it. Yeah. It's 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 easy, it's addictive, it's fun, and I, I actually would recommend it. This is the first mobile game I've ever recommended to anybody. Like, and this one's good. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, if you like fighting games, knock yourself out with that. Uh Aside from that, I mean, I've been living on the couch, so there's really not much to say. Yeah, oh. living on the couch. Um, yeah, uh, but this week, uh, our beg for money didn't work last week or something, because I've got new cash from nobody, not even five dollars. Um, so actually, gonna... I mean, we did get one. I just, I just looked now, and it is there has been one donation this week, which is cool. But I, uh, I that mean, was I... actually before our last show, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a bummer. I. Uh... I would like for our listeners to want to go on the GoFundMe and, you know, give us a little bit of your hard-earned monies because I know money is hard to earn. But uh, it would be really sweet if you guys would go to the GoFundMe and check it out, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to guilt trip nobody, but, you know, you, you got to look at it this way. I know you go to work and, you know, you work hard. And even if you make minimum wage, after taxes, you're getting 5 bucks an hour. And I know each and every week me and Will put out at least – 
an hour of content for you. And I don't want paid for every one of those hours. But, you know, if you want to throw us five bucks for all the hours of content we put out in the past, you have no clue how much that would help us. And and I I literally mean five dollars. Like, I don't need anything more from anybody. If you want to give us more, great, you're great. But Yeah, we got the the new five dollar tier available. So you can just jam the fiver at us and... You know, I would I would do a dance for every time when you guys gave me one of those, but it's an internet show, so you can't see it. But I'm doing it for you. Yeah, and you know what? The funny thing is, if we get the studio built, we could do a video cast and you could see this. Yeah, me doing my $5 dance. Yeah, I mean, literally, like, I, I've broken down the numbers from our listeners and everything else, and $5 per listener gets us to our bar. And that's so doable. <laughs> I really believe that. I believe that one's doable. Come on, guys. Please help us out. Uh, yeah, by not giving us money, it's like you think we suck. That sucks. Yeah, it's a bit discouraging at times. You know. When I go a whole week without seeing anything in there, I'm like, well, these people really don't like us. Yeah, well, oh, well. Obviously, just because we're begging for money. That could be it. You know what? You got to do it. Uh, it's yeah. part of the part of the game, the podcast I, uh, game. Um, shout outs. Uh, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to Jack Leroy. Um, he has <laughs> he is basically retired from the magic podcasting thing. Oh shit! Yeah, he's gotten a job somewhere, and he's no longer going to be able to podcast. Um, as of right now, he is not allowed to tell you where he got hired. That's awesome. So I'm not going to say anything either. Uh, but congratulations to him. Uh, big ups to him. I'm beyond happy for him. He's going to be able to provide for his family better than he's ever been able to. And if you have not listened to the latest episode of Monday Night Magic, please go do it. That's his farewell show. Wow. Um, uh, but yeah, big congratulations, big shout out to him. Uh, wish him nothing but the best in the future. I hope the new job works out great. You know, I hope he ends up in the cool thing is this is what he's allowed to say at this point. It's an advertising job that he got through running MTGO bro, MTG bro deals cool. and podcasting. Mm. That's how he got this job. So, um, you can take those hints and figure out where he's at <laughs> on your own. Uh, but yeah, man, that's, that's super fucking uber cool. Uh, big shout out to absolutely everybody who wished me, uh, Feelings of goodwill over the past week because I've been a whiny bitch on Twitter, just like you know, oh fuck, am I still sick? <laughs> oh jeez, Ange, I don't know how whining, I don't know how good that looks on you. Well, you know, I was being a whiny bitch, but when I you're sick, hate, you do that. I hate being sick. I'm so terrible to be around when I'm sick. I'm such a jerk. Yeah, so I, you know, I and anybody who said you know who said in you know, ideas on how to make things better. Cause after about day four, I was like, I don't care whatever homebrew Dude, you do. Alka-Seltzer night or Alka-Seltzer day and night. It's the jam. It's like their severe flu shit. It comes in like a Theraflu container. Yeah. It's so good. It, the daytime stuff is pretty good, but the nighttime stuff, it just puts you the fuck out. You just sleep. I was doing for like the first five days, I was doing orange juice, Bourbon and lots of blankets. I mean, I just do the bourbon. Um, well, you need and some run around C. the street naked. So vitamin C is really good against the flu. So, uh, so if you want vitamin C, you should eat red peppers. Yeah, I, I suppose. Uh, but orange yeah. juice tastes a little better. Uh, and I like red peppers, but orange juice does taste a little better. Honestly, I don't like orange juice. It's too acidic for me. That's uh, a little easier on my palate. Uh, but like, I, I go through that. I'm just like, fuck, it's just not helping. And finally, my mom comes down. She made homemade chicken soup. Aww. She, <laughs> she brings me this homemade chicken soup and she brings me, uh, vitamin C capsules. 
And she's like, take two of these capsules every three hours. And I'm like, okay, mommy. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> and she's so like, sweet. eat this chicken soup next. That was yesterday. Today, I feel literally 80% better than I did for the past week. I'm just like, yeah, my mom mama steps love. in and just cures everything. Moms are clerics. Fuck yeah. Uh, shout out to mom. Shout out to moms everywhere. <laughs> Hug your mother. Yeah, yeah. Go do that. Go call your mom. Tell her you love her. God damn it. <laughs> you should do that. Uh, do you have any shout outs, Will? Uh, man, I got a, I got another, I got a back to back shout outs for Mr. Colton Delaney. I, I have no idea what he's sending me, but the clue is armadillos in pop hats. So. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> do you like armadillos in top hats? Seriously. I have question. no what? idea what is happening, but I'm hoping it's something sweet and like Texan, you know, cause it's, I mean, he's from Texas, right? And that's sweet. You know, Texas is a place that I actually uh, found out I like a lot, so. Um, strange. Uh, aside from that though, uh, I would like to give a shout out to the Sierra Nevada Brewing Company and their four-way IPA sampler. Also oh, okay. to... That, what four does that have in it? The turbo it has the, the Torpedo. Uh-huh. That's, uh, a, that's actually an IPA that I drink and I'm not big on the IPAs. Yeah, I, oh, I like their pale ale best, but, uh, this one was good. I just, you know, I was in a bitter mood, so I wanted to just get bitter drunk. So it's the Torpedo, uh, it's their Golden IPA, their Black IPA, and their Ruthless Rye IPA. Ooh. Yeah, it's all very drinkable stuff, and, you know, also shout out to Duclaw Brewery, Sweet Baby Jesus. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Drinking, it's good for you. Hey, I was sick, and, uh, you know, bourbon's like the answer. Dude, alcohol cures. Yeah, when, like, normally you just drink beer to get through day-to-day, but then you get sick and you drink bourbon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's sad, but, you know, I, I cannot tell you how many flu and colds I chased off. By catching it early and just hammering bourbon. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why I don't get sick that often is because I drink a lot of bourbon. But I'm telling you, it's like it's like bacon, but alcohol drink. Oh, fuck. You know what? Speaking of bacon, like the other day, sacrilege happened. You said no to bacon? No, no, no. Did you and bacon break up? No, come on now. <laughs> I kind of cheated on it a little bit, but... You got turkey bacon? So my wife... <laughs> Her brother brings over just, you know, he's like, hey, we got all this extra food at the house. And of course he has extra bring a box. bacon. So he brings us a box of just, you know, random shit like noodles, a cup of noodles, like yeah. three color ratonis. And, oh, that's awesome. You know, just a bunch of things. It's just like, okay, I can do things with this. And then sitting there on its side in the corner is fucking turkey bacon. I'm like, oh. okay, whatever. You know, turkey then, bacon's not that bad. And then yesterday the wife's like, hey, you want to just have Brenner? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I love, love Brenner. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what Brenner is, it's breakfast for dinner. Okay? Dude, <laughs> eggs, bacon, toast, all that shit, home fries, fucking yeah. eight o'clock at night. Yeah. It's so good. We it had tastes pota- better at night. We had potatoes O'Brien, we had eggs, and we had turkey bacon. And all the time I'm eating the turkey bacon, I'm going, God damn it, this isn't bacon. <laughs> it's not, but it's it's bacony. Uh, the the texture is crisp. Got to cook it crisp. See, I like my bacon, my normal bacon, not overly crisp. Yeah. When yeah, I bite in the turkey, kind of bacon. I do know that. Yeah, when I bite in the turkey bacon, it's you can't you can't eat turkey bacon limp. It has to be crispy. Yeah, there's no fat to it. There's no you know juicy spots that you bite into and it explodes in your mouth like a fucking uh, starburst or something. You know, like that's I I'm sitting there just going, now nah, I want real bacon. God. 
God yeah, damn it. I know. I can't believe this stuff's even in my house. So I ate it to get rid of it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's happened. I, my grandma used to like turkey bacon, so I ate it with her. You know, it's cool. We'd make turkey BLTs. Yeah, it's funny. The wife, uh, she's like, she got that to eat it. She goes, I used to love turkey bacon. I don't anymore. I don't. Damn yeah, right. I, I fixed you. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> one last what's up story uh, contact info for this week if uh, you wanted to get a hold of me you can find me at Gonksuo on Twitter that's G-A-N-K-S-U-O-U same thing on MTGO um, I will definitely be on there this weekend and you know next week grinding release events and pre-releases and stuff so yeah uh, if you want to join the clan just send me a message while I'm on there I'll absolutely get you on there or you can just send me a message on Twitter telling me what your name is online I'll throw you into the clan um, right now Joe Fiore is uh, keeping our pack uh wins. Dude, shout out to Joe Fiore. That guy, I have enjoyed what you have been posting on the the Facebook so much, man. Like, way to grind Eternal. Like, so many yeah. respect points. Yeah, he's he's like the only reason it seems like recently, because I haven't been on there as much as I'd like. I mean, I, I jump on once a week or so, but, you know, I'm kind of testing standard on there, so I haven't been drafting as much, so I'm not winning a bunch of packs. Mm-hmm. And he's just been the guy who just consistently is, like, adding packs to or total as a clan, and it's like, thank God he's doing that, because if not, I don't know that we'd be winning packs. Uh, yeah, for sure. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's expensive, and a lot of people don't hop on all the time. They're not grinders, um, so it's expected. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, also you can find me at uh, pitimpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also find me on the Imps Prison every couple, three weeks, I don't know, something like that. Uh, the next episode to come out is with Kennedy Metal. Um, I do know that it's recorded it's sitting there I just have to finish the edit uh, post it in but the illness thing has kind of stopped me from I actually recorded that while I had the flu sweet because like we spent like a month or more probably two months where like can you do it this day I'm like no Hey, can you do it this day, Kevin? He's like, fuck, no, I got band practice, or I got this. And just week after week, we could not figure out a day. And he was like, hey, you know, are you home? Can we do it? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> just because I wanted to get it over with. Uh, sure. I needed to get it recorded, so he's able to get it recorded to do that. Um yeah, I think that's all the places you can get a hold of me. If not, just fucking figure it out. Just uh, grab him. Yeah. Just, just grab him. Will, if people yeah. wanted to grab you, you know. Oh, man. You should do it using the internet at the Facebooks. <laughs> Go to your Facebook and uh, type Pit Imps Podcast into, like, the search bar. And then click join our fucking cast. I got I got two guys I got to to, uh, uh, to add this week. So what's up to you, new, new imps? I don't know your names because I'm bad at keeping windows open. <laughs> but shout out to our new members and uh you know yeah i'm on facebook i check the the page very re- very frequently i've been enjoying all the stuff that's coming up right now lots of sweet decks lots of people just talking bullshit about magic and you know sweet stuff and life uh, too man like it's it's a community it's not just about yeah magic. it really is like i i'm i'm not shitting you i go on like every hour and there's something new to look at which is sweet yeah yeah absolutely and it's usually so, followed by about 19 responses yeah yeah, right. There's a ton. Um, but uh, if you wanted to, also, I'm lost my donkey on League of Legends. I am a newly found bronze player in the new ELO reset. So come grind bronze with me. It'll be super fun. <laughs> 
But yeah, that's me. Yeah, I've also been putting your uh, direct Facebook into the show notes recently as a link. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, I have a Facebook myself as well. It's yeah. me. Yeah, you can just you know hit the link on the show notes and I'll take you right to him. And then if you friend him, he can describe you exactly how to find the pit imps or just put you in once it's he friends true. you. Yeah. Um, so that that works. Uh, next week, what we're gonna do is uh, we have two GPs. Uh, one is gonna be team limited, and the other one is so gonna, sweet. I know, and the other one is gonna be cons and fate limited. Uh, so we're gonna get to really get the first real taste of what the sealed environment's gonna bring on the um, team and on the straight side. So th- that seems pretty cool. Um, one of them is in Mexico City, and one's in San Jose. It doesn't seem like the planning was very good there. Yeah, those are pretty close to each other, all things considered. <laughs> yeah, realistically, that's like having one in Columbus and Philadelphia on the same. Well, area. I mean, Mexico City is actually it's it's pretty far down into Mexico, but San Jose is pretty far down into California. <laughs> eh, I thought it was more San Francisco area. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's definitely like no nothing in the East Coast. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like they could have run San Jose this week, and then they could have done like DC, and I guess that's their. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck it. Do yeah. whatever you want. Wizard. Well, next week is uh. So I guess they had to jam these in. Um, But no, we're definitely going to go over those. Um, For those of you who did enjoy uh, International Kick a Ginger Day today um, on the date of this recording, so it's probably too late by the time you listen to it. Congratulations to you. My wife's mad at me. I'm just going to point that out. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Ryan, for pointing that out. Uh, (laughs) But until next. Angelo, feel better. Well, have a good one. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs>